All right. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, Mind Your Body and Soul, the healthy podcast brought to you by Neighborhood Medical Center and our Ryan White program. I am Joseph Ward. I'm joined by my homie, Mr. Matias Sweet. Tell him what's up. And Dr. Staples. She earned her name. Hi. (laughs) Miss Elena Staples. Our guest host is definitely here with us today, and we have a wonderful show. Before we get to our guest, let me do some housekeeping. Remember that Mind Your Body and Soul, the healthy podcast, is an educational podcast that focuses on all things health-related to help our listeners learn more about various health topics and information they they may not have access to. Uh, We seek to inform, empower, uplift, and mobilize our listeners to become the healthiest versions of ourselves. And we are available every Wednesday, of course, at our website at nmcpodcast.com. Or you can go through the the home website at neighborhoodmedicalcenter.com backslash nmcpodcast. We're also available uh, every Wednesday on our Neighborhood Medical Center YouTube channel. So go subscribe because, you know, YouTube and all these other platforms, they have this special thing that if you, when you're watching the video, if you like it, you comment, you subscribe, and you share, more people can see it. So make sure you all do that. We're also available on Anchor.fm, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. So y'all make sure y'all go check us out, subscribe, so you can get this healthy information every week because it's our goal to make sure that we we deliver as much information as possible. All right. So I'm going to throw it to Matias because he's going to introduce today's guest. So <clears throat> I get the great opportunity today, guys, to introduce my supervisor, um, one of the best doctors that we have here at Neighborhood Medical Center who loves the toughest cases. The most yeah. intricate thing you can find is what she's going to love most about it. She don't mind the simple patients, but she really, really loves those complex patients. The ones that she can get really down and dirty with and see what's going on and find all these different things. So the perfect thing about today's thing is, is what she likes doing. She loves this stuff about the researching. And y'all thought Miss Steeple researched? Mm-mm. We got another one right here with you. So without further ado, I have Dr. Sharon Foster, our Neighborhood Medical Center Medical Director. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. You're welcome. Thank you for being here today. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. So Dr. Foster, can you tell us some insight onto your journey on becoming a medical doctor and why you chose to become a medical doctor? Well, I could tell the long version, but I know Elena will get bored, so I'll tell the short version. Never. (laughs) Actually, When I was in high school, I found that I was attracted to biology and the biological sciences. And once I entered into college, I started to get cold feet and wondered if I really was, you know, made up to be able to go through to medical school. But I continued as recommended by my parents. (laughs) And as I continued, I found that I really did enjoy biology, math, you know, chemistry, you know, all the the 
topics that would make me successful into entering medical school. And what pushed me over the edge was in my junior year, I was able to um, do like a little internship at the medical school, Rutgers Medical School, and that sealed the deal. Okay. Okay. Yay. Rutgers Medical School. Right. I see you. I see. Look, just because you went to Rutgers, Joe, don't mean Rutgers College. Is no, it just Rutgers. No, but Rutgers, Rutgers is Rutgers. Rutgers. Pretty, Rutgers. Pretty, Rutgers. pretty, 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 and, pretty and, pretty nice know, school. Deuces a yeah. lot of great people, so. Yeah, it's a great school. All right, so. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on here because we were thinking about who would be the best person to talk about COVID and mm -hmm. your name came right up. So and we know that you have a passion for for the flu, learn uh, helping others learn about the flu and them now COVID virus. Um, so most of us really believe that we know about these these medical conditions, diseases, viruses, the flu main one, because a lot of people I've had the flu. So people really think that they're experts on the flu. Mm -hmm. So um, can you explain to us exactly what the flu is and how it affects the body? Well, the flu is short for the influenza virus and the influenza virus is responsible for seasonal epidemics, usually once a year um, around starting in the beginning of October all the way through typically February or March. We have the flu season where you have the two most common causes that infect humans, which are the influenza A and the influenza B. The influenza A can break down into different sub subtypes. So for example, if you have an influenza A virus, you can have different subtypes. When they make up the flu vaccine each year, they try to predict which of the subtypes of A or even influenza B will be more prevalent. So in the summer, they usually start making up the vaccines to prepare for the winter distribution for that year. Hmm. And in terms of how it infects the body, usually the virus is, which is very contagious, it enters in the body either through one of the mucous membranes, for example, in the nose, the throat, and once it, once it enters the body, it can infect the nasal passages, the throat to cause pharyngitis, and sometimes it can um, go into the lungs and you may develop pneumonia. So it's important to, it's important to understand the mucosal membrane where they exist and how they can be affected by that. That's correct. Okay. Okay, well, I guess it's my turn. I, I, I was told to stick with the script, so <laughs> I'm going to stick with the script. But I but I will say I will say during this time, it it kind of sort of becomes confusing with a lot of the HIV patients, the acute, the acutely uh, infected because the symptoms of someone who is acutely infected with HIV is the almost mimics its mirror image of the flu. And so um, I'm so glad talking about that today because 
you if you are receive if you are experiencing symptoms like that, you really need to come in and get and get tested. So I will I'll stick to the script, Dr. Foster, but um, okay, you so, can go off script. I'm so I'm here so, to answer any questions. OK, so I will I will just ask this one question then. Then what do you recommend for for someone uh, during this uh, time of flu? who is experiencing the 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 scratchy throat and the runny nose and just and the body aches what would you what would you say to them what i would say is that if the symptoms are persistent and not going away through over the counter remedies go in to see your primary care provider because okay. It may be something that might be a simple virus. The influenza virus is one of zillions of viruses. So um, it may not be a virus that is going to linger forever, but if you're not feeling well and you continue to have symptoms that are persistent, you do need to go see your provider. Okay. Well, <coughs> I just took a little veer off, to, but my question is, you know, with the world having its attention uh, zero in on COVID-19, why is it still uh, important for us to, to remain vigilant in reference to the flu? Well, with any infection that infects the body, your immune system is going to respond. And during that, well, during the phase of when your body is responding, your immune system is attacked. So it's low in terms of your ability to react to anything else that is more, um, more infectious. Mm. And in that sense, it's very important um, to make sure that you do protect yourself once you have any sort of infection to protect yourself from becoming what's called super infected, where a different organism can take over and that organism that takes over may be more, more serious and potentially more deadly. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, so in that you're talking about co-infections as well. So having maybe the flu or like, well, just use flu and coronavirus at the same time could be considered a super infection. Yes. Okay. Or if you have the flu, you may develop a bacterial infection, which is more serious because right. that can become more overwhelming and more pronounced than it can mm. infect the lungs and lead to sepsis where it gets into your bloodstream. So it's very good to make sure that at the initial infection right away. Huh. Yeah, so that's like okay. the, what is it? The pneumonia and like bronchitis and things like that that would affect the lungs that would really cause more problems with the flu itself. Yes, okay. that's correct. Okay. So we know that um, the coronavirus, I'm not coronavirus, the flu, affects everybody 
which population is really more affected? You know, some say that certain demographics and certain income levels and poverty levels are affected. What type of population is really affected worse by the flu? Or is um, that more risk? Okay. Uh, the, the people who are at risk for the flu are the same population that are at risk for COVID and any other potentially deadly um, infections. So that category would include people aged 65 or older, people with any underlying medical problems such as high diabetes, heart disease, any chronic respiratory problems such as emphysema, chronic bronchitis, any person who has any chronic renal problems, cancers, sickle cell is another major disease, okay. pregnant women. And interestingly enough, they there is there have been studies that shows that people who have a BMI over 30 tend to be in a high risk category, as well as people who are immunocompromised, such as persons with HIV or any organ transplants, um, people who are on chronic steroids, um, any medications because of um, organ transplants, people who have had a bone marrow transplant. So anywhere where the immune system is not as robust as it should be would be considered high risk. Okay. Okay. And that, well, that's, it is interesting because I'm, I'm just starting to nerd out over viruses and stuff, hang around these people. <laughs> it's it's always interesting to see how the viruses work in the body, especially with the compromised immune system, because I, I understand what you're saying. Because it seems like the people who we would normally see the most, the people who would normally treat the most, people, the people who we would conduct outreach um, on the most would be the most affected by the flu and or even uh, coronaviruses because of pre-existing conditions and just, right. just overall health. That's mm -hmm. what it seems like. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we got to, got to fix that. So all right. So I want to I want to ask this in two parts. Um, see, Steve, you rubbing off on this now. So, mm -hmm. so I want to ask this in two parts. But as you start talking, it made me think. So break down like. So we're talking, this is moving into talking about getting the flu shot and why the flu shot is important. But could you help us understand what's in the flu shot? What is the flu shot before we get into why people should take it? Okay, as I mentioned before, each season, the flu shot is made up of what the specialists predict or can try to imagine which strain of the influenza A or B may be prevalent for that year. What they do is to, based on that information, they come up with a combination of um, antibodies or, or components that will help to fight off the 
the strains that they think will be prevalent for that year. So right. each year, there's a different batch of flu vaccines that are made up based on what the prediction of the prevalence of whichever influenza strain may be, um, may be prevalent for that year. Okay. Hold on, Joe, I got a question. Is there a difference if with the, what's the difference between the high dose and a regular dose? So, and what should they know about getting the different um, vaccines or what should they ask their provider? Do they qualify for a high dose or not? Okay, so there are the regular dose, which is um, recommended for anyone aged six months or older. And with the regular dose, it will help to protect the immune system of of the age groups um, that the vaccine is made up for. For the high dose, we usually recommend that for patients who are older than 65 because it is more effective and it is stronger than the regularly dosed influenza vaccine. Okay. So now, Dr. Foster, I mean, I think as as providers, you and I have heard, and even Joe and Mateus, we've all heard patients say, "Oh no, I don't want the flu. I don't want the flu shot. I that gave me the flu." Yeah, right. that was my other question. <laughs> yeah, so, right. So can That's why you, I broke that up. Like can that. you elaborate why the flu vaccine is not going <laughs> to give you the flu? Okay, so the flu vaccine is meant to allow your body to build up your own immune system against the influenza virus. Remember what I said, they try to put components that they believe that will be prevalent for that year. So in boosting or allowing your body to build up antibodies against the strains that are predicted, when you receive the flu vaccine, you may get a little bit of a scratchy throat or you may get a runny nose, but you will not get the actual influenza virus. Your right. body is just reacting and building up the antibodies to be able to fight off the actual influenza virus. Right. So, like I mentioned before, there's zillions of other viruses. There are Epstein-Barr viruses. There, there's so many. Oh my gosh, there, there's zillions of different viruses, and it may be a coincidence that you know someone may have contracted another virus that may be similar in symptoms to the influenza. Okay. So, the influenza vaccine does not give you the influenza virus and it's better to have a little runny nose or a little scratchy throat than to actually have the full-blown influenza infection which can cause most people to be laid in bed for sometimes up to two weeks yeah 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 okay, hold on i got one more question what are the side effects of the flu? So people know, because you know, some people say, oh, I'm allergic. How do you know if you're allergic to the flu? Like what side effects or things you need to look for? Because you never know what, I mean, they're injecting it. So what, what happens? Like, how do you, you mean, know? What like, are the side effects of the flu vaccine? 
Yes, ma'am. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily call it side effects. I would call it more of um, potential quote unquote complications, which are not really complications, but it's the body's reaction. For one, you're being injected in your arm typically, right. so you would get pain at the injection site. Okay. Some people may develop a fever. Other people may have an acute reaction. And for those patients who have been known to have an allergy to any component of the flu vaccine should really not have the flu vaccine. And those are rare, very rare occasions. So because of how they do make up the vaccine, um, there are components such as eggs or the gelatin that's used that can um, cause an acute reaction. So, and, and also, I'm not sure if, if people have heard of thimerosal, which is one of the preservatives that's used um, to protect, to, to allow the vaccine to, to last a longer period of time. And some people may be allergic to the thimerosal. Oh. So there are types of vaccines, the influenza vaccines that do not have the preservative or the thimerosal free um, influenza vaccine virus um, vaccinations. So did I answer your question? Yeah, so in the next, because it's basically what we try to preach is you knowing what you're going in for, being able to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ask questions, even if you even if you don't understand, because I just learned a couple of things about uh, the components of the flu shot. Right. So we have to do I guess we have to do a better job of asking what are the components of it? And if somebody can't tell you the components, you might well, let me learn the components and then come back. Would you recommend that? Yes. Or, you know, even if you don't know the specific components, because it's kind of sort of like asking an attorney <laughs> about a legal matter. And for example, me, I have nothing to do or no knowledge of the law. Right. So, <laughs> right. so when they explain to me, you know, something that I may ask, I may not understand. So mm -hmm. we can we can ask questions that we can break down into layman's terms so that you know you can be fully informed and aware of what you would be getting in terms of once you receive the flu vaccine so you okay, do that folks please 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 ask questions don't just cut us off at the knees when we mention the flu vaccine if you have questions if you've heard things from the street committee, please, please, the, the providers or the people um, 